Hello, and welcome to the Three Vice Men podcast. I'm James. I'm Dom. And I'm Matt. And together we're going on a verbal pilgrimage, taking in all things craft beer. From delicious dippers to dandelion saisons, we'll be looking at what breweries are doing well, and maybe not so well. We'll also be looking at what trends look set to take off this year, and what we're excited about, as well as delving into some of our beery stories. Most importantly though, we'll be sampling beers each episode, and giving our opinions on them, unfiltered by untapped hopefully. So join us as we journey into the world of craft beer, and whilst we may not have a new king to look for, we'll certainly be worshipping a lot of tasty beers along the way. So sit back, crack a beer, and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Three Vice Men podcast, back this week with another Meet the Brewer episode. We're on a bit of a run now, uh, and hopefully you're enjoying listening to them. I'm joined as always by Dom and Matt. Lads, how are we doing? All good. good. Thank you. Very good. Very well. Um, thanks, Curtis. Yourself? Yeah, I've just got home after sitting in some traffic and ready to have one beer or maybe maybe two beers or maybe more after that as well. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this week, we're joined by the fantastic Pastore and Chris is here from Pastore. Chris, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, good to see you guys. As I've mentioned, I really need to get a beer in my system. So can you give us a bit of background to the brewery while we crack out the first one? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, well, I mean, we're super excited right now because it's actually our second anniversary. So happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So so people often say, well, you've only been going two years. I mean, we actually date the anniversary or the birthday, if you will, from um, kind of when we started production, um, which was uh, yeah, around, you know, around this time, um, 2019. Uh, we actually, you know, started as a company, uh, probably best part of the year before that. So then it, it took that long to then kind of, you know, get a find a premises, you know, kid it all out, install a brewery, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we've actually been going longer than that, you know, it's, or it seems that way to us. But in terms of actually producing beers, um, yeah, two years. Wow. Oh, fantastic. And how, how long was the idea before you know, committing to starting the company and doing all of that? Yeah, it, it, yeah good question. I mean, it's, it's Ben and I, um, you know, uh, had been kind of talking about, you know, notionally setting up a brewery at some point, you know, for, for quite a few years, right? You know, so, you know, he'd, um, you know, we, we'd both been enjoying beers together for, for many years right and then home brewing together and so on um and um he eventually after he got his degree went off into the masters in brewing up at Harriet watts and yeah we always had this kind of longer term vision that you know you know one day we'd set up a, a business together you know but the idea was ah oh, he'd go and get some industry experience first and you know i'd keep doing my day job and then eventually you know, the time would the stars would align and we'd mm. uh, we'd set up a business then in when would it have been i guess it was summer 2018 um we we kind of i remember it, we went and picked um, Ben up from uh, from Harriet Watt in Edinburgh, uh, and we were driving across. We we're going to take a, a, a week's vacation in, in Isla, you know, and visit some distilleries mm. and have a nice chill time. Very nice. So we did all that and had a very chill time with lots of <laughs> lovely distillery visits. But yeah, on that, we kind of talked about beers. And I vividly remember we actually picked up a, a couple of bottles. We stopped by Fine Ales on the way around, uh, picked up some of their mixed firm beers. Uh, we also um, got a couple of bottles of Mills. Uh, I think that was the first right. time we, we actually came across Mills and tried it. And we were like blown away. Oh, my God, this is so awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and amazing. Yeah. That's, we've got a UK brewer who's doing, you know, mixed firm, you know, beers of his quality. Um, so we then started, you know, talking again about, well, what, what would we do if we we're going to set up a business? You know, what, what would our vision be? And of course, at this point, Ben, you know, he'd, he'd already met, um, you know, a lot of uh, you know, very interesting people at Harriet Watt, um, you know, had a lot of conversations there about the future of brewing and where craft was going. And then, you know, and they discussed 
mixed farm in particular and, and how to how to do fruited sows and so on he was going to the hanging bat in edinburgh i don't know if, if you guys okay. had a chance to go there great really cool place or at least it certainly was um last time i was there a few years ago but yeah um johnny who went on to found vault city uh, now holy goat he was kind of brewing in, in the in the on the back of the hanging back right doing some crazy and awesome beers so ben got to know johnny a bit and he, he used to swap ideas and thoughts and yeah anyway th the point is we sat around in Isla drinking whiskeys and mills and other stuff and kind of began to formulate our own kind of idea of what what a great business would be and what what where we felt there was maybe a bit of a gap where we could maybe do things you know take things to the next level uh, all a bit pie in the sky. But yeah, by the end of a holiday, we pretty much talked ourselves into just going for it and setting up wow. a business. And yeah, we I think that was that was maybe September 2018. So we kind of came home and started doing some business plans, looking around for commercial properties. And indeed, we took out a lease in February 2019, as I recall. Uh, and yeah, Pastori was born. Wow. That's wow. fantastic. Wow. It feels like... Um... I don't know if this is maybe just the COVID memory of everything seems longer, but it feels like I've been enjoying your beers for, for a long time since then. Yeah, I've got to admit that I, I, I'd say the same thing. I, it seems longer than that for some reason that, that I've known about you guys. Right, well, no. Well, we should probably talk about the beer that we've started to enjoy. Um, we're going first off with La Pesca, which was part, I believe, ah. of the birthday pack, that certainly the birthday pack that I've picked up. Mm. Uh, it's a peach wild ale, 5.6%. Uh, is this kind of in the kind of core specialty of, of what you guys do? Is it sort of the, the in management speak, the core competency of just exciting mixed firm with a bit of fruit? That's an interesting question. Um, I kind of want to say yes, but at the same time, um, I'm going to caveat it very heavily. So, I mean, you, you use the word core there, which kind of immediately makes you think of like, a, what, you know, what's a core range of beers or whatever, or what, what's the core thing that, you know, that, that's kind of driving the business, right? And, and that's not La Pesca or, or beers of that type, right? Now, for those who don't know, La Pesca comes in a, a 375 mil bottle. Right? I mean, I guess you guys have got this. Mm, um, yeah. And um, it, it comes special. from... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of, we call it our cellar range, right? It's kind of uh, aged beers, aged in stainless steel in some cases, in, in oak and others. Um, but these are aged, mixed firm. They're, they're put on fresh fruit in some cases, in some cases not. Um, but, but the key thing is for aged, right? And, and they're mixed firm. We use our kind of house, or as we call it, our mother culture to, to kind of uh, give it yeah, the, the acidity, the, the funk, right? Um, and everything. Um, so this is a bit more specialist, you know, for us, mm. right? The in terms of competency, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, if you'd asked me that question a year ago, I'd, I'd have kind of gone a bit white and said, "Oh no, I don't think we're doing very well at making this um, aged beer." But it's amazing what a year does, right? Our, our, our um, our culture that we use that's in this beer uh, and we're putting into all our cellar and aged beers has has just developed beautifully uh, in, in the last year to the point where. And I think we've gotten a bit better at, you know, at blending, at mixing, at you know, mm. processing the fruits, all these components that you need to really get spot on to to make a great mixed firm and an aged beer. Uh, so yeah, now I mean, after two years, I would say our ability to do these beers is definitely becoming a, a core competency. It's hard to do. That's why so few people do it. I think you know, uh, very, very well. Uh, and I think we've got a long, long way to go to 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 get to the levels we'd like to. But I'm certainly happy this year with the quality of some of the beers we've produced in this range yeah definitely i think this is another reason that i thought you guys were older than two the fact the production time on this bottle is 14 months 14 months so yeah that is right. uh, that is a bold early early decision to be like right we're doing we're doing well let's put this in some barrels <clears throat> yeah was, 14 months ago chris was it would this have been a specific beer that you wanted to release for the second birthday or did it just happen to align 
it happened to align, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's quite hard to be specific, right? You, to be honest, when you're aging beer, you don't know how long it's going to take to be good. Uh, I mean, I think we, we're, we're getting better at that now, um, and, uh, guessing or estimating or understanding how our culture works, how it varies with the seasons, how it's going to be affected by, by packaging, right? You know, things mm-hmm. as simple as, you know, you've got the beer tasting great in tank or in barrel, you, you put it in a bottle and, and it's like, wow, what happened to my beer? <laughs> right? And it kind of, it takes a while to then kind of condition out again. You know? And so, so there's all these factors that kind of make it very hard to, to really plan. Yeah, so all you can really do is, is you know, get beers aging and do cool things with them, build up a range of these things uh, and then just keep tasting them and, until you think, yeah, I've, I've now got a, I've got something that's going to be good, right? And then, then when you've got to that stage, then you can go do some fine, fine planning, right? Say, okay, well, I'm going to hold this one on for two months so I can release it for Christmas or, or whatever yeah. it might be, right? Um, so that that's kind of a game we're in, right? And yeah, um, yeah. and it's a, can be a bit scarily hit and miss sometimes. But um, but we you know, year one, as I say, we made some missteps, things that weren't as good as we'd hoped or expected. Year two, we, we've we found we found our feet. A bit. So this is a blend of Tawny Port Barrel Age saison and a Rioja Barrel Age saison. Mm. So the original base saison was that released fourteen months ago to enjoy or was it brewed specifically to put in a barrel yeah so okay um okay i'm gonna i'm gonna it's very hard to answer that question about actually just talking through the whole process so let me of talk course, through the whole yeah. process because <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah that 14 months i mean essentially you've picked out i mean you're right it does say that on the label uh, and, and i'm gonna explain why what that really means right because um what we do is we will brew a a for example a, a golden saison we'll kind of do a primary fermentation with uh, with saison yeast we'll then transfer it onto usually just into a stainless steel container and then and to start the aging process right and at the point we do that that transfer we'll typically blend in some of what we call our mother beer okay right now that mother beer um we've got a we've got a another stainless steel tank at our brewery about a 15 heck tank full of this mother beer Right. And that's another kind of golden saison style base, uh, which we've kind of grown up um, originally from something we were using as home brewers like four year, four or five years ago. Wow. Right. So, so we, we literally, that mother beer started life as a, a kind of, you know, in a, in a 30 litre homebrew um, fermenter. Uh, we, we brewed up something, you know, on our homebrew kit. We, we, we threw in dregs from our favorite mixed firm beers, mostly US, a couple of them, um, a couple of a European, uh, some, 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 uh, obviously really good Belgian ones. I think it was a Tommy CF uh, went in there. And we kind of, you know, we actually, and this is, this is purely homebrew. Right? We had no notion of ever doing anything commercial with this stuff, but we kind of you had that. And we had that going for a bit and we, we started, we found it got nice. Um, after six months, it was very nice. After a year, it was bloody amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and kind of the technique we started using that for on a homebrew scale was, you know, we had this 30 liters. And if we did a new batch or something, we'd take, I don't know, maybe three or four liters out blend it into the new thing we'd done and then just top it up with some fresh wort. Wow. So it's kind of like a mini Solera type thing, right? So you kind some, of there's some serious homebrewing going on. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I yeah. Think we homebrew we... does it justice at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, we were pretty serious about about our mixed firm homebrew for a while there. And this is kind of one of the things we were doing, right? So we I think we had this little Solera thing going. We had this, you know, what we called our mother beer was this this kind of perpetually being topped up, some stuff taken out to blend into a new beer. Uh, and then being topped up. So we always had, you think of it like a starter culture or a starter dough if you're, if you're making sourdough bread, right? That's what it was. So when you think about it, a bit like a Solero, you know, this thing we had in this 30 litre fermenter, it's average age. You, you, you know, if I'd kept a really accurate spreadsheet of what was going yeah. in and out, I could have, you could compute it's, it's kind of average age, right? And the average age over time was getting, it was getting older and older, right? So anyway, go, go forward to, I guess, start of 
2019, I guess, or maybe mid 2019, we thought, right, we want to replicate, we want to scale this up. So we took our 30 litre fermenter in uh, and added it into a couple of hundred litres, I think, of, um, of Saison and gradually just kind of stepped it up, right? Yeah. Um, but of course, as, as we found, you know, and obviously, really, it wasn't like we stepped it up, you know, and after a couple of months, we had a thousand litres of, of awesome aged probably of course yeah, we did yeah it would yeah we, we actually yeah. had like 950 liters of fairly fresh saison yeah. uh with a little black back blended um you know um you know funky aged culture so yeah. that's where it then took a lot longer to then you know the whole thing to age out and develop the, the beautiful characteristics uh, that, we, that we we knew we we needed and wanted so that's going on. Now you've got to think that's how that's happening. There's this big tank, all this beer aging yeah, and going yeah. on. Meanwhile, back to our, our fresh saison that we've, we've brewed and is now sitting aging in a tank. We've blended some of this mother beer back into it. Right. So, so you've now got uh, a bit of a blend. Uh, we've probably brought in, I don't know, 10, 20% of the total volume is, is the mother beer. Right. So, so effectively what we've done is we've taken a fresh saison type beer and we've now put in Brettanomyces, Lactobacillus. I mean, we, we, and there's, there's wild yeast that we'd captured in our garden, right? There's, there's a big mix of stuff in, in, in our mother culture, right? and that's been kind of blended back into our saison, and we leave it to sit, okay? And it sits there. And, you know, uh, what we found typically with doing this is after two or three months, actually, you've got a, actually, you know, a pretty decent beer just in stainless steel, right? Yeah. And so the, the, the core, or, or what I want to say, the, the main saisons we release um, in bottles, saison de la casa, that, that's kind of what it is. Right, it, it, you know, after two or three months in stainless, we'll, we'll bottle it. Uh, it'll maybe take another month or two to condition and bottle, and we release it. However, that isn't necessarily the end of the story, right? There's, there's other things we might want to do, um, and particularly when it comes to um, to the sort of beer you're drinking right now, what we'll do is we'll, you know, some or all of this, you know, by now three, four month old saison uh, in stainless steel will actually go into barrels, oak barrels, or it might just go into other little smaller. Um, non-oak containers on fruit yeah okay and that's where we start diverging getting interesting kind of things going on right so so for example a, a classic thing we do is we take the stainless steel saison and we put it onto some fresh fruit right we do we do rhubarb in rhubarb season we get lo local rhubarb from norfolk oh, nice. um and um we'll put it on other fruits as they come by uh and that's kind of one sort of whole line we have but what you're drinking is is the next level up that's where we've transferred some of the same beer into oak barrels uh, we have a range of barrels in the brewery. Of those of you who've been have seen it, right? There, yeah. There's um, uh, so I think you you said on, on this it's, it's Rioja and what's the other one? It's Rioja and Tawnyport. Tawnyport, that's the one. Yeah. So basically, we we live. I can't remember. We we probably took a bunch of his saison, you know, maybe a thousand liters, and and put it into four or five different barrels. I'm guessing. Um, we'll have notes somewhere. I just can't remember exactly <laughs> what we did with it. So it goes into these barrels, and we leave it. Okay, and. What happened next, um, uh, quite a few months down the line, um, was that we, we then started you know, tasting what's in the barrels and more importantly, trying to work out you know, what, what might blend well. Actually trying, you know, trying different blends out you know, and get a feel mm. for what works. Yeah, I was going to say, how, how did you choose that? Was it, did you, did you have an idea that it might be the port and the Rioja that would go together or was it just genuinely just see what different ones you have, try a bunch and then see what tastes best? For us, it's for latter. We're not skilled enough to to do to, to really be able <laughs> to predict what's going to happen. Game. I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm quite sure there's, there's master blenders out there who, who are going to be better for this. But but what we've found is that a for us at least, it, it's um, being relatively experienced here. It, it's it's quite hard to predict 
the, the characteristics of a given barrel and so you've got to taste them and, and and obviously you've then got this weird thing where it's it's changing over time anyway yes um so you keep tasting them um uh, and after a while you think yeah okay we're beginning to taste, it's tasting really good now and, and what we did next was basically just go through this exercise put aside a few hours get a whole bunch of glasses out start taking you know taking some beer out of all these barrels someone's got to do it you know someone's got to do it it's, it's, it's just horrendous right but uh you know but uh but yeah i remember sitting there we we basically tasted each one on its own and you know took careful notes um uh and you, you quickly get a feel for you know what you know flavor profiles in some you can kind of you can taste maybe a bit of the rioja or whatever it might be oh yeah i'm getting a bit of red wine i'm getting oak there i'm whatever others you kind of different characteristics like there's, there's a particular barrel we have that seems to produce a lot of acetic Okay. Right, and and in fact, we had, we were tasting something just yesterday with um, uh, with Helen from the Broom Collective uh, for another project we're doing, and um, wow, this same barrel, it, well, it got even more acidic than last time I tasted it. <laughs> but it, you know, it's like, oh my god, I, I, you know, I, we can't, you know, put this straight into a single barrel release because it's just way off the charts. But as as a blending component, it's absolutely got a role to play. So my point is, you're kind of tasting these getting a feel for what you know profiles you've got what acidity what what funk what what kind of barrel characteristics and then yeah you, you kind of start maybe feeling okay i wonder what it'd be like if we mixed a and b together or or, or a yeah. and d yeah and then we literally we, we, you know we, we try you know we've got a little you know pipettes or you know yeah. cylinders so you can kind of be reasonably uh, um mm. accurate in, in your blends you know you're going for 50 50 or 60 40 whatever and literally, we just do that. Uh, and with, with, bear in mind, there's, there's probably uh, at least three of us doing this. So we we kind of try get you know try things out a bit differently, and then we start to converge on the things we think are working. And I do vividly remember this this one. We 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 realized these two barrels just seem to go very well together. Yeah, they, they kind of lifted each other, right? You know, yeah. I, I, it's integral. They were both nice on their own. Yeah. Um, but when you put them together, there was just something about the blend where I think one of them had a bit more acidity than the other, and it, and it and and yeah, they just seemed to work together. So we thought, right, that's that's the blend we like, um, and we're going to put that on to to fresh peaches. We knew we had some really nice fresh peaches coming through from our local supplier. We thought that's the beer we're going to go for, mm. and we did, and that's what you're drinking now. I'd like to say I think it's worked quite well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is delicious, like yeah. genuinely, Great. so so nice and. You've got white peaches instead mm. of regular peaches. Yeah. Mm. How much difference does that make to the flavor profile of this? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm trying to think if we've, we did something the previous year with yellow peaches, I recall. Um, do you know, hard to give a definitive answer to that because there's so many variables at play here. But what, what I will tell you is, is that the beer we're drinking this evening here, the, the, the peach kind of aroma you're getting on the beer but the taste i mean it is like the, the skin of the peach isn't it the, the yeah. notes of the of the of the stone um of the kernel there as well and and we we didn't get that previous year where we used yellow peaches now that may be for other reasons to do with you know us not having such a good culture or not processing the fruits in the right way but so many variables as i say um and as i say we've definitely learned a lot in, in the last year but these white peaches um do give a fabulous flavor and, and we also kind of knew that from tasting you know great we've had some great mixed firm beers on peaches over the years from other brewers notably american ones and often it's you know you, you read carefully what they've done it turns out to be white peaches of you so we were keen to, uh, to work yeah. with it. we were keen to work with it basically and and we haven't been disappointed with it but it's been, it's been an awesome awesome beer it gives an amazing aroma as well mm. i think what i what i like what i'm enjoying most about drinking this beer is it's I think the peach flavoring keeps it quite light, but then you do kind of get the depth afterwards, if that makes sense. Like you do get the depth of the barrel in there too, and you can really yeah. tell it makes quite a complex, complex flavor. 
while yeah. still not being heavy. If that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't need to be the strength. Maybe an impiest out to get all of yeah. those kind of complex notes. But um, mm. I, for me, I think the acidity is the really interesting part and how that plays with all the other flavors and and how you kind of interpret it in your mouth. Um, I love these beers because I could just keep sipping them and I keep becoming more pretentious the more and more I talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, 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 a danger in our trade, isn't it? But um, mm. but uh, but yeah, but I but I mean, I I, I know what you mean. I, for me, I remember having some of the best beers, uh, mixed firm beers and then spawn beers and things that I, I've had, you know, it's, it's that ability to make you want to come, keep coming back for more, which I always yeah. loved about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the, you know, the very, very top ones. I remember being some bars having a, a color spawn, spawn Jester King sometimes. Yeah. And it's just like, this amazing fruit flames and aromas and the complexity, the depth of complexity, just, you just keep on having another sip. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what did I miss last time? What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Time? What's coming next? Yeah. What yeah. Next? Then five minutes later, it tastes completely different. It's like something else has happened to it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you certainly notice a difference um, as, as the temperature change as well. You know, you know, yeah. you know, you know, you know. After twenty minutes, it's warmed up a bit. Um, yeah, I think it, it, the profile changes again. I, I was going to say, I think I had probably potentially had it in my fridge a bit cold, about seven degrees, and coming out, I thought, okay, I'm getting a fair amount here, but mm. I, I feel like there's more to get, so I've been cupping my glass to to try and warm it up and uh, drink it in a very weird manner, yeah. <laughs> sort of cup tans that luckily the uh, people listening to this can't see. But no, it's fantastic. If we go, we can sort of jump back to the, the brewery name a little bit. I, sure. I didn't read it f- fully at the start, but Pastore, which we can sort of jump onto in mm. a second. But I was going to say it's Pastore Brewing and Blending. Mm. Now, from the kind of what you were just talking about there, it seems that the blending is actually quite a high percentage of, of what makes the stuff you're putting out a little bit unique. And I, I probably going into this would have said it's probably 50, 50, but it sounds more like the, the blending might be certainly for this style of beer of sort of more important element. Yes. Well, for what we call our cellar beers, the ones we typically sell in bottles, uh, the blendings is very important. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of the, there's what you might call the, the easy part of blending, which I've kind of already alluded to. That's where you, you brewed a fresh saison, for example, and you, and we kind of back blend our, our mother beer, right? I mean, that's blending, right? I mean, it's, yeah fairly mechanical and simple isn't we're not doing anything fancy there you know but but that's the thing we do uh, and then you go right through the range of different things right up to what i've just described where we're, we're taking multiple barrel tastings and trying to, to find good blends um and yeah and that's a i'm not saying we're especially good at it but it's certainly a lot of fun right and i think we're enjoying learning about and just you know learning i mean just learning about our barrels and how our beer reacts is, is in itself a fascinating thing and i guess they're, they're an ever-evolving uh thing to go they're not a constant you know the barrel once you put something in it it's going to change its characteristics slightly it'll still have the same overall but you might take on a little bit of what you put in it previously yeah definitely and then jumping back to the the pastore i've seen a lot of people call it pastore i think i've learned my lesson that it's pastore is is that an italian heritage that that's it yes so um pastore it's the italian word for shepherd um uh, my name's chris shepherd my son's ben shepherd um Uh, nice yeah, so so we're shepherds, uh, but the reason of the Italian angle is because my wife is from an Italian family, right? And her mother, uh, my late mother-in-law, was a was a big influence um, on, on us on the business. Um, she she'd been a kind of a she'd set up a business and I mean, run a very successful business on her own for for many many years. So, you know, certainly so so Ben, my son, his his kind of um kind of, I don't want to say kind of willingness and, and 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 desire to set up his own business very much came from her. So we kind of wanted to honor honor those Italian roots a bit as well. So that uh, story was was the choice. That's one of the the best stories behind a brewery name. I think that that I've, that I've heard. That's such a such a nice story. Definitely, definitely. And do do you think 
maybe that Italian side to the family do you think that's helped when it comes to sort of the wine influences like the wine barrels have they helped you pick some of them out and be like no you can't use that one it's gonna be awful and <laughs> fearing you in the right direction uh um that would be a good story wouldn't it but uh, i can't claim that that's ever happened no um uh, no but but i mean i'll tell you there have been influences um perhaps sometimes surprising from the italian side of the family right i um, mean in, in terms of what we've ended up doing or how we've approached things um, so my wife's family, um, Ben's grandmother, you know, they, they came from a, a part of Italy, um, sort of near around Parma, um, uh, and um, it's kind of in it's kind of in the Po Valley and, and so on there, and it's a, it's famous for for Lambrusco wine right? that's what that's what they produce there, right? and Lambrusco, uh, you know, doesn't enjoy a, a, a great reputation in the UK, you know, I don't know if it's still the case now, but certainly, you know, when I was uh, growing up or drinking, you know, maybe way back. Um, yeah, it, it was very cheap, fizzy wine. That, you know, that was you know, two, you know, one pound ninety nine down at your, your corner oh. shop, right? Yeah, well, it wasn't it wasn't a, a good drink to be frank. So it had a bad had a bad name, right? But and we we knew better because we were going out to Italy on holidays and so on. Where and you, you kind yeah. of go to to a family lunch, whatever, and, and they they just bring out an un, you know an unlabeled bottle of, of of the local stuff, and it was always a kind of a red sparkling wine. I think relatively low in ABV, you're talking eight, nine percent, uh, and, and and you know it it just works. The, the the climate there, in the particular summer, is very very hot, very very humid indeed, and actually this drink just kind of seemed to work there. We drink it with, with the pasta and so on, whatever, and it was just really really nice drinking experience. Um, you know, and these certainly weren't fine wines by any means, but the, but they were good, right? They were kind of yeah. you know, you know, I mean, a lot of natural wines now actually really remind me of of of, of these, you know, kind of oh, wow. you'll, you'll get when you go out you know, out to Italy, right? And if you go to somewhere and they they get something from a local wine producer or farm, it's going to be like that, right? It's low intervention. They, you know, they they don't these aren't wines necessarily produced to go on a supermarket shelf, right? They're, they're produced just to be drunk locally, so they are low intervention, right? And and they're, and they're really really nice. Anyway, we, what we did find was, um, but actually, you know, almost by accident, as we started, you know, investigating mixed firm and then investigating the interplay of, of beer with, with grape uh, and grape must and so on, we began to kind of discover that, of course, our beers were often coming in around that 7-8%. We were getting a bit of grape um, character in it. And it was like, do you know what? This reminds me of those awesome Lambruscos we drink, you know, uh, you know <laughs> in Italy on a hot day. And, and so, yeah, it's... Um, and yeah, you know, and it's interesting how a style of wine was much derided here. It just didn't work in our climate or in our culture or for whatever reason, but really did work there. And it suddenly has this, I, can, you know, I think that style of drinking, you know, isn't your big 10, 12 plus 14% heavy red wine. It's, it's something you can drink more easily with lunch. It's spritzy, it's fun, it's accessible. Especially uh, and when that, the sun's out as well in the heat. You don't want to be drinking yeah. heavy red wines, do you? Exactly, yeah. So you kind of see how it works there. And, and then it's, and it's nice to, you know, I think there's, there's an appetite here for um, for actually, low, I want to say lower ABV drinks, you know, so and that can both be like, you know, table beers, yeah, you know, in your two and a half percent range. But it can also mean people who want the complexity of a wine, but don't mm. want to drink 12% or 14%. Right? Yeah. Uh, and if you can find a beer, you know, uh, or a wine for that matter, that, that, yeah you know, gets a good level of complexity and then keeps you sipping right down to the bottom of the glass and keeps yeah. your interest going. And yeah, it's only seven, eight, nine percent. And I think that's a that's a great product. I've never thought about that before. But definitely I think it might be nice to have a dinner party and then get a bunch of mixed firm beers in instead of instead of the wines yeah. you would normally have and then uh, see kind of see how that goes down. It definitely. would definitely be definitely be interesting. Yeah. And I think just the appetite for mixed firm beers and sour beers has seems to have just grown. Um, and especially yeah. 
I think the sort of beers that you produce, especially with the Water Beach, the Water Beach Vice mm. range that I'm sure we'll touch back upon, they're just so sessionable for like sunny afternoons. I feel like that's when they're absolutely perfect. Yeah. I just kind of want to jump back onto the wine aspect. I know you've done a, a few beers now with using grape skins. Do you t- treat those like any other fruit, or do you kind of look more into the the wine aspect of, of what you're trying to do with them? No, we, we've we've kind of kept things simple, and we've kind of largely treated them just like any other fruit. So one of my favourite beers we've produced so far was Il Vigneto. Um, uh, yeah, yes. I see Don. <laughs> yeah, Don like that. that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was really good, and it was again, it was kind of the, the saison um, style thing I've already described to you, with the mother beer kind of blended back into it, and then it just went on these Pinot Noir grape skins that we got from a local winery here in Cambridge. And my God, I mean, we you know we we didn't know how it was going to go, right? But we thought this this should be good. Oh my God, it was good. Yeah, uh, we, you know we were so pleased with that, um, and that's a great example of what I've just been talking about. I, I think that was seven percent in the end. But it had, it had, you know, it was so, it was easy to drink. It went great with food, but it wasn't, you know, you know, it wasn't too heavy. It wasn't too strong. It was kind of a nice, easy, easy drinking beer, which had a lot of, a lot of a interesting aspects to it. So you, every glass of that I'd, I'd drink, I'd be thinking hard about it all the way down to the bottom of the glass because it had so much going on. It was definitely a beer that I was trying to reference, but couldn't remember the name of. Yeah, yeah we, we went straight from the tap room where you said you'd unfortunately run out of it. And then we went to Thirsty in Cambridge and they had a bottle of it in the fridge. Oh, wow. That was like, this is being drunk right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a fantastic colour as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. Really like, like rosé pink colour. And we put it in a clear clear bottle, as you'll recall. So yeah. it, yes. it really, really showcased it. Really, you know, it, looked, it looked lovely and it was. <laughs> the clear bottles, what's the thought behind that? Because I've noticed the um, Good King Henry's collab, the mm. other birthday beer. Um, that's in a clear bottle as well. Il Segreto, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how widely known it is, but I mean, the, the reason that beers generally don't go in, in clear containers, clear bottles in particular, is because of uh, something they call skunking, right? So, it's, hops don't react well with sunlight. You, yeah. you, you very quickly get the horrible off flavors. So, you protect your beer by putting it in a, in, in opaque colored glass or, or cans or whatever. So, of course, the, the cool thing about certain styles of beer, in particular ours, is that they don't have hops in, right? So, for example, the Water Beach Vice series you mentioned, no hops. Um, um, the the kind of saison, the, the more uh, aged ones we're talking about, actually do have a little bit of hop in them, but it's I think sufficiently small an amount um, that is, you know, is, is low risk of anything going wrong. So, so long story short, these beers we we have we always have the option of putting them into clear glass without really any, any or much risk of, of of them going off or having this bad reaction. So it's just so it's just sometimes a nice thing to do because you say it showcases the color. You know, it looks interesting on a shelf, right? It's a you can see what you're going to get, and you know, hopefully tempts you to to buy and drink. Yeah, definitely stands out. And uh, well, I've bought it, so it works in that aspect. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll probably have to talk about that collab, but I think we should probably finish talking about this beer first. Tom, Matt, have you got kind of any things that we haven't picked out already with, with some of the flavors you're getting from this? I was just thinking that as it, I drank it as later on when it was a bit warmer, I definitely got a bit more of the peach kind of increased the flavor from the peach and the fleshiness came through a bit more as it warmed up, I thought. And also I, I feel like it had the same kind of, after I've drank red wine, it had the same kind of effect on my palate where I'm kind of going a bit from, from the, from the rocker maybe, but really nice level of acidity. And it was a, it was a really nice beer. I thought. 
Yeah, it's really nice how the how the sweetness does complement the acidity as well. Like the acidity never becomes overbearing. I guess that probably is because of the sweetness of the white peaches as well. So it's like they complement each other really well. And yeah, this has been this has been really nice. Have you got any other say? Have you got any other ones in the works? Have you got any other fruits that you would think would pair well with some of the barrel saisons? Most definitely. So um, <laughs> I mean to. To pick up on the point, last point you were making there, I mean, it is, the balance is always a, a massive important thing, certainly to me, right? I mean, I, I, I like my beers balanced. I, you know, I like the balance of the bitterness with, 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 the, with the sweet maltiness, with, with, with the hoppy carrot, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Balance is, yeah, I think, a very important aspect of a truly great beer. And, and beers that are unbalanced can be really nice, but after you've had it, drunk it once, you may, may not want to go back to it a second time, yeah. in my experience. Whereas the balanced ones are the ones that keep pulling you back in because uh, they're just so pleasurable to drink so i you know i, I so for that reason i'm i'm pleased with la pesca and actually many of our saisons this year because i think we've, we've begun to achieve the right balance where you've got you've got the right level of acidity paired with the right bit of bit of sweetness and fruits and and, and the right level of funk uh, that isn't overbearing and or, or too powerful and, and so on so to answer the second part of your question yeah what else we got coming we we've got <clears throat> variants of this um on on cherries um which is a, a great combination we've got things with happening with uh, raspberries and plums as well um, nice. which are looking really really nice um uh yeah i mean we as i, I forgot i've already mentioned we did, we did rhubarb earlier in the season you know there's a lot of things that seem to work you know you know rhubarb's obviously got that kind of acidity going on so it kind of seems to work quite well a bit are there yeah. any that you, any fruits that you've tried that haven't really worked in your beers that have ended up going down the drain and we haven't seen the light of day on the cellar range so the age range no i mean it's been a couple we, we've been like oh yeah that didn't come out as well as we'd hoped i mean it was still nice they, it just wasn't awesome but that wasn't necessarily the fruit's fault as i mentioned earlier was a lot you, of can blame the fruit. you can blame the fruit <laughs> <laughs> yeah we definitely did one where we, we we actually went too early on the fruit we hadn't let it ripen enough yeah that, that was one of our learnings from last year okay so so, so that, that, I mean, that was not the fruit's fault that's absolutely our fault that's one of those things you learn i guess but no on the fresh range as a whole everything we've tried has worked uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, pretty, pretty good. Um, if we're talking about the water beach vices, I think we may come on to them later. Ask me that question again. Okay, <laughs> well, I think that's a very good trail into leading into the yeah. second bit. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back in a second. They drink beer, so much beer. All of the different types of beer. They drink beer, lots of beer. It's beer. Uh, welcome back to part two of the Three Vessel Men podcast. Uh, this week we're joined by Chris Shepherd from the wonderful Pastore Brewing and Blending. Uh, we've been drinking some of their second birthday pack, which if you're lucky, you might still be able to pick up from your local bottle shop or web shop, depending on where you are. Uh, we've just finished La Pesca, which is a lovely peach wild ale from different barrels. And now we're moving on to something slightly higher up the ABV. Uh, at 8%, we've got a tropical sour dipper called Strato Tropicale. And I'm not going to do that accent again. Uh, Dom, <laughs> Matt, I'll give you an opportunity to do the accent. Otherwise, I think we should probably crack into it. I think uh, we should crack into this. <laughs> this one's in a can. The last one was in a bottle. Your cans, we normally see a water speech devices. Is there a kind of methodology behind whether you put it into a can or a bottle? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So we've kind of talked a lot about our, what, what we call our cellar range, the aged beers, right? They go into bottle exclusively. The beers we're going to can, we, we, we call or think of as our fresh range, right? What we mean by that is they are relatively short turnaround. Okay. So from brew day to, to packaging is I don't know, four or five weeks. Okay. So, in, in, you know, for, for mixed firm beers that's short, right? Because often it's the aging that, that you know, makes them interesting and, and cool. <clears throat> but yeah, it's possible to make you know, um, you know, very good sour uh, mixed firm beers um, shorter. They're just you're probably not going to get that level of complexity and interest um, from the as you do with the aged ones. But nonetheless, you can make a good beer, right? Um, so you know, you know, you, a lot of the sour beers you get in cans uh, out there, particularly kettle sours, these are relatively quick turnarounds. So yeah, we we kind of do the same, um, but we we have a slightly different process to a lot of breweries around. Um, but essentially, yeah, three or four day fermentation with uh, Kvike Horningdahl, which are, you know, relatively unusual, uh, used to be using for primary. Um, we, we have a lactobacillus, um, which we culture, which we co-pitch. Co so we've got, got a co-fermentation going on between these two elements. That produces a nice, the uh, soured um, Pfizer. Uh, and then we uh, put the whole thing onto fruit for a two to three week secondary before packaging. And it's kind of as simple as that. So that's the fresh range. Nice and easy. And then my second question would be, as this beer is described as a mixed culture sour dipper fermented on passion fruit, guava, mango, and then dry hot with strata, is it, how did you get into my mind to know something I'd buy so <laughs> so readily and so quickly? I mean, yeah, exactly the same. I was in with the fruits and then I saw strata and I was yeah. like, oh, well, it's, just like... it's such a done deal. Um, so being a bit more serious about the beer, was there anything you were particularly aiming for here? Obviously the dry hop with strata, is that a choice? You pick the, the hops yeah. first and then the fruit or the fruit and then which hops? Or Yeah, no. You, you, I think, again, we, we, we talked a lot about blending with respect to blending beers from different barrels and so on. But uh, this is also, I think getting the blend of, of hop and fruit right um, is, is important too. Oh, or indeed getting the blend of different hops right in, in an IPA is obviously important, right? It, yeah, we have, so, okay, this is an interesting thing. It's interesting you, you've chosen this beer to, to, to taste and talk about, right? Because, I mean, I guess one of the beers we, we're most known for is the Water Beach Weisser series, right? Which is, has, has absolutely zero hops in it. No hops used at any point in the production. Um, the beer you're drinking here, Strato Tropicale, um, firstly, it's a dipper, 8%, so obviously a, a big, big chunky uh, grain bill there. And, but we wanted to, to make it, well, dipper, right? Clues in the name. We we, we wanted we wanted a hop component, you know, a good IPA style dry hopping, um, and this is the style we've always loved. We we love sour IPAs uh, and sour pale ales, and it's a kind of style I think it doesn't necessarily get a lot of love. There's been some great versions of it over the years. I always cite one of my favourites from a few years back was Troll Tonga by Buxton. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really, I used to really love that. Um, Too well did, a, did a, some really great ones. Uh, like yeah, they've had ago. so many like that. They kind of loved that style, didn't they? It was yeah. like the surf and mosaic, and yeah, they kind right. of did all those different ones. Yeah, and then the, the one that actually really blew our minds, which which is kind of the thing we we wanted to try and try and replicate, effectively or go after, was mm. Bellwoods from Canada. There, the um, okay Jelly King. Right. That's just, I mean, if you haven't had that, look it out. Cloudwater online store often have it. Um, okay. And it's 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 a it's a fantastic, phenomenal beer. They, they do lots of fruited variants of it, but in my mind, the best ones are straight up non-fruited wow. uh, sour IPA, uh, Jelly King from Bellwoods. Awesome, awesome beer. And, and so we kind of when we actually started our story, that was one of the first things we tried to brew. Actually, was a, was a sour IPA. We called it Playa de Agua, and actually people loved it. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, people went crazy for it. In fact, um, we then, for various reasons, I won't go into. We kind of didn't really go back to it for quite a while. We really concentrated on the on the fruited Water Beach Vice range and so on. Yeah. Um, but more recently, we've kind of have gone back to it. Right, we've done a couple of sour IPAs or pale ales, um, and you know, with no fruit. And and you know, when we have our tap room days, people absolutely love them. It's one of the, the top selling beers we, we do in our, on our tap room. And then we thought, well, yeah, do you know what? People also love fruit. Let, let's try and combine the styles and do a do a fruited and dry hopped sour. Okay. And and we've we've done a few of these now. We've done a couple of them have been collaborations. So we we did a a great one with Burnt Mill um, a while back with uh, Talus and uh, and um, Pink Grapefruit. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful beer. Talus is another one that brings like mm. so much flavor. The, the hop brings so much yeah. kind of tropical characteristics as well, doesn't it? So uh, yeah, and this is the thing. So yeah, so I've kind of rambled a lot, but actually to go back to your original question, yeah, I mean the, the blend. Yeah, for us it was so important to, or at least what we wanted to try and try and learn about was the interplay of, of, of the dry hop with the with the fruit. Okay, and um, we, we've now gone through various iterations. Um, we've actually got a, another one in tank right now, which is tasting really nice. Um, but yeah, we, we, we kind of look at the hops, we look at the hop profile, um, and we try and pair it with, with complementary fruits. I think in the case of the talus and the pink grapefruit, it worked wonderfully. I think in the case of the, the, the stratus and, and, and the, the passion fruit, mango and guava that you're drinking right now, it's also worked fairly successfully, right? Things seem to work together well. And I know from a, by, from a fact, by some of our own experiments and from drinking some commercial beers, it doesn't always like that. Sometimes the hop and, and the fruit can clash and okay. just not work together. And it kind of ends up a little weird thing. But you know, well, it's not really an IPA. It's not really a fruited beer that I was expecting either. It's kind of a bit of a weird hybrid. So I think it's something, yeah, it's easy to get wrong, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. And so far, we haven't, I don't touch wood, got any wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely, this is going down. Like for my first few sips, I'm really enjoying this. Like yeah. the tropical notes are definitely there. And then I think Strata is just a hop that complements that so yeah. well. Like they work so well together and they almost amplify each other. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, explosively yeah. fruity. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the passion fruit is for me is is, is really really intense. That's overriding the yeah, guava and mango is awesome as well. It's yeah, like I said, like I said yeah, well, explosively fruity. I think, I think mango is a beautiful fruit, especially when you have it you know as a in a fruit juice of just adding that kind of thick mellow layer. You get some yeah, beautiful depth through mango, and I don't I assume that carries across because I'm getting it here, and it's not come from somebody somewhere else, but. Um, no, this is this is going down a treat. Um, so we, we've touched on the Water Beach Vita series, uh, and I think that's probably what most people, if they've come across one or two of your beers, it will have been those. As I think they, it's probably fair to say, have the widest distribution, and as they they are pretty quick turnaround relatively, uh, they they get into the wild a lot. As a kind of core series, I guess we could call it. How much do you repeat the different fruits, and how much is it an ever evolving? Okay, we can get some of this. Let's try that. Yeah, I guess different strands to, to answering that. I mean, I, I mean, essentially, we, there's a there's a few kind of ones we we go back to now and again, right? We, yeah, combinations, fruit combinations, which we know work, which taste really good, but you know that people seem to like. So we'll, we'll go back and repeat them. The trick is not to repeat them too often, because uh, you know, as we all know in the craft beer world, you know, people want new things all the time. So what's uh, the next, the, the, literally the next exciting thing? Yeah, that yeah. comes drinking. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that's the reality, right? So, so, so we, so we try not to repeat them too often. Yeah, and luckily, there's enough, you know, interesting fruits and fruit combinations that you can kind of keep things fresh all the time. 
Um, and, and it's amazing, actually. One of the things we've learned there is, you know, you know, we, we always try and freshen things up. We try and find new combinations. So it's where every month there'll be a, at least one kind of new, brand new combination we've never done before. And what's actually interesting is, is how different a beer you can make with even quite small tweaks to the, to the fruiting. Um, uh, you know, so, I mean, I mean, what have we got? We've got a, a blackberry and raspberry coming out now, um, which... That sounds like a perfect or like winter... Oh. Yeah, autumn, 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 winter beer. Um, you know, we've done raspberry before. We've used blackberries before. Never been totally happy necessarily with some of the results we've had from the, from those fruits on their own and so on. But, but the combinations in this case is divine. Um, so it's kind of an endless, fascinating world of trying things out, and and, and sometimes you just hit on a combo or maybe a, a proportion of these of these fruits that just work so well. So a question we always ask, and I think this is a good time to drop it in. If you could brew any beer, or in your case, perhaps use any fruit to create a beer, or vegetable, what would it be? I, I, I didn't know. Or vegetable, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> so there's no commercial pressure on it. It doesn't have to sell. People it don't need to like it. Like, might not even taste good. Yeah. But it's just what you would want to try. Oh, my goodness. Do you know, yeah, you, you've got me stumped for words. Well, often that we can either. let you think a little bit, Dom. Yeah, there we any, can let you think if you from... could do one fruit and, and pair it with a vegetable. <laughs> the, I'd, I'd like to and i think i'm not sure how it would taste but i'd like to try something something that has asparagus in it really and, and mixes, I, again i'm not sure i'm gonna like it i just want to know what it's i just, <laughs> just I want to know what it's gonna be like. like asparagus and pear maybe i don't know to be fair, wow what sort of style would it be Curtis? would it, have, oh, would it be you'd need, you'd need a bit of funk to carry it through but yeah I, asparagus I maybe and pear. maybe like a salsary this and maybe like a tomato throw some coriander in there coriander could be my <laughs> that can be my vegetable you know recreate salsa but then i'm trying to think the style of beer that it would go into because i'm thinking something belgian so because sometimes yeah, you got the coriander, coriander yeah. Yeah. anyway yeah but i don't know what i stick everything on a saison that's the best best way to do it i think or a vice beer like a wit yeah. a wit that could work uh, Chris, have we given you sufficiently bad answers to make anything you look anything you <laughs> no, say? I, I think these are great. No, I think these are great. These are great ideas because uh, one of the beautiful things about um, Mix Firm and, and and so on is that you, you pretty much can try anything, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and you know, it, won't, it won't all work right. But, but as we've found, you sometimes just you can be surprised at what does work, and mm. it's surprisingly good. Yeah, I, I was just kind of thinking there. Um, I tell you something, I really kind of want to try at some point um and it's, I don't know, it's not it's not particularly exciting but uh, but i've seen it done really well in a couple of breweries in the states and that's at this time of year i think you know your pumpkins <laughs> you know and, and your things like this right and i've seen people put in the states in particular putting them into imperial stouts and um yeah one of our birthday releases was a mixed firm imperial stout it was the, the, the imperial stout we originally brewed as a clean beer with, with uh, alan from uh, old chimneys but we then put it in a cognac barrel with our with our mother culture and, and let it let Maybe. it go wild for, for a year or so and that's that's has been tasting absolutely phenomenal it's, it's really nice beer i was thinking that with you know i was thinking what would i want to put in that i'm not sure i want to put anything in because it's actually got really quite intense red berry type thing going on and a beautiful acidity and all the rest of it but yeah it's the kind of beer where i could imagine some of these uh autumnal mm. uh, yeah definitely like a nice pumpkin pie or mate pumpkin pie type you could do a pie, pumpkin yeah. mild that could be uh, pumpkin could work, mild work quite well. Yeah, I should say for everyone listening, we we did get the birthday set, so we do have this fantastic uh, Impy Stout collab. Um, 
the reason we're not drinking it tonight is that it comes in a 750 milliliter bottle and it's a Thursday and we're in different <laughs> locations. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe we might we might just do it and release it separately, but um, that's why we're not drinking it at the moment. Um, so we've, we've touched on three of the beers from the birthday pack. The fourth beer is a collab with Neon Raptor, and I believe mm. that's a breakfast sour. A breakfast sour, yeah. Um, and at risk of making you choose between your favorite children, which <laughs> is your favorite of the four releases? Oh, I mean, that is impossible to answer, that is. Um, Oh, do you know? So, I, do someone's know, got a gun to your head. Yeah, I know. You can't I know. in the brewery. You can only grab one as you. Oh, yeah. okay. That, okay, that makes it easy. In that case, it's going to be Il Segreto, over 750 mil um, okay. Imperial Stout, um, you okay. know, aged in a cognac barrel mix. I mean, that is just, you know, that that was like well over a year in, in the making, and we didn't know what we were going to get out of it, and what we got out of it was amazing. So that's the one oh, I'd rescue. Yeah, um, nice. But it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, funny enough, you mentioned the the, the breakfast sale, Colazione Abbondante, as we call it, which um, um, was a collab with Neon Raptor. Uh, there's lots of this cherry, this blue readers, raspberry. We kind of, we've kind of had a whole granola kind of image in mind, right? Yes. We, so I think they put in like, they put maize and, and rice and other cool grains in to kind of give that breakfast breakfast cereal type vibe. We put lots of, as I say, the, the blue reader, raspberry, cherry. It's it's got a characteristic soundness. There's a bit of vanilla. I think there's a bit of hazelnut in there to give a bit of a nutty wow. nutty crunch type thing. And actually, you know, I'm you know I'm not a massive fan of pastry sours personally. But this one, I actually keep going back to, and I'm really, really enjoying it. And, and we were, we we had the pleasure of pouring it at um, uh, at the uh, Birmingham Craft Beer Festival recently. Uh, and yeah, it was lovely. People just were, were going crazy. People were just kept coming back and having another pour and another pour and another pour. It just seemed a very Moorish beer. Yeah, yeah I, I've had a, I had a very small amount of an Evil Twin breakfast sour that again had very similar elements of. of a lot seem to have been thrown in and i'm very excited to crack it and it's sitting in the fridge right now and um, yeah, as you as you link to it then i think it's a lovely segue to talking about uh beer festivals i know you've visited a few over the summer um how has your experience been obviously not being that old a brewery how has the reception been really positive actually yeah um yeah it is you know we've had a lot of people come by who've never heard of us but you know we you know they, mm. they kind of catch what looks them like an interesting beer, you know, with some fruit in or whatever, and they feel, oh, I'll give it a go. Um, then you've got the, the, of those, you know, perhaps half of them will kind of screw up their face and say, sour beer, don't like yeah, it, not, yeah. not for me. But the other half will be like, wow, that's amazing. And I'll keep coming back. What's been also gratifying is the number of people who've actually come up at festivals this year who have heard of us, you know, and, and said, oh, yeah, you guys, you know, had one of your beers or so and so recommended it. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just nice, right? And, yeah. You know, and, and, and above all else, you know, the, you know, to be able to experience a bit of the camaraderie of, you know, being there with other brewers, talking about your beer, you know, and then, you know, that is something we missed, right, for, for the preceding year and a half. Mm. And as a new brewery, we, we'd, we'd kind of really missed out on that, right? We'd never even, we'd been to one festival before the first wow. lockdown um, and loved it. And we were looking forward to more. And then of course it all stopped. Yeah. Um, so for us to be on, we were we were on the um, this uh, raise the bar um, kind of categories it was called at the We Are Beer festivals. We were alongside some great breweries and Attic, Bullhouse, um, Beak, 
uh, Alpha Delta, uh, Newtown Park. Great, great, great guys. We have had a fantastic time going around with them, drinking it, they're making great beer. We, we were all, you know. So that was a lovely aspect of it. And even better than that, though, actually seeing the public try our beers, you know, mm. and get all the reactions you get on, on, on the range from, oh my God, what is this stuff, through to, oh my God, that is awesome. And, and you know, coming back for three, four, five pours of each one. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. I, we, we had Articon last week, and I, yeah, they are doing fantastic stuff at the moment. Yeah. Really, really nice beers yeah. they're putting out. And yeah, yeah, it's not a bad company to uh, to be putting with uh, all of the ones you mentioned there. They're, they're really putting yeah. some great stuff. It was really, Certainly really are. great for me to, because um, I've been to two beer festivals this summer, you were both of them. Uh, and mm. having gone from, I guess, yeah, two years ago or a year and a half ago, where I was, I was trying to hunt you out, going to Thirsty in Cambridge, oh. where I thought it was the only yeah. place you could get it. To then, yeah. uh, to then being able to just not not even really looking at a, a brewery list before I attended a festival and going, oh, fantastic! Yeah, I, I can get some pastore. Cool. That was uh, a really grat- gratifying experience. Cool. Well, that's lo- wonderful to hear. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I did a bit of looking on the on the website um, before. I saw that yeah. you used to brew a a Belgian double uh, <laughs> under a different brewery name. I was just wondering if a Belgian double is that. In the on the cards for Pastore or any sort of Belgian beers in the in the pipeline? Not not particularly, to be honest. I mean, yeah, we you know if we did, it'd be very much on the mixed firm side of things. Uh, whereas yeah. you know when I did a Belgian double previously, it was a it was very much a clean beer. Yeah. What was interesting about that? I kind of um, it was a, it was a cask ale. Uh, oh, wow. It was it was it was a dark six percent beer, um, primary fermented with, with a Belgian ale yeast. Hence, hence the kind of double vibe. But it, and uh, yeah, and back then this was like two thousand and seven, I think maybe. Like nobody wow. was doing that kind of things then, and, and, and I remember going. I, I I kind of had my beer at Cambridge Beer Festival, Camera Beer Festival, you know, for two or three years running, and, and people at that time were like, "What the hell is this? Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because now, I mean, that, that just doesn't seem very exciting at all, right? Yeah. And no one would go near that if we would drop a bottle of that out. But um, but back then it was like, you know, people were going, "Oh my god, this is crazy stuff." <laughs> so I think we've uh, kind of established that homebrew is clearly where the, the exciting things come from. Speaking of homebrew, I think there's a bit of a competition that's going on. I believe it's with yourselves and the malt miller at that's the moment. Right. Do you want to touch upon that a little bit? By all means, yeah. Yes, yeah. so we're running a homebrew competition. Uh, if you look it up on pastorebrewing.com, you'll, you'll find the uh, all the instructions on how to how to take part, what it's all about. But essentially, it's a it's a, 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 a mixed firm homebrew competition. Okay, so you 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 can buy yourself uh, the base malt kit from the malt miller. Um, but from that point on, it's in your hands, right? Uh, you can you can decide on the hops, on the on the on the yeast, the bacteria, the fruit, the aging, all up to you from that point on. I think I can't remember when all the deadlines are, but I think we're looking to receive the the the, the beers in, in you know, packaged at our brewery in maybe late February from memory. Oh, so um, plenty so of time. If plenty of time. Involved. Yeah, to get involved, to to get get a brew on, to to age it a bit, to do whatever you want to do, and yeah, we, we, the the uptake's been phenomenal. Instantly, I mean, wow. um, a, a huge number of uh, people have uh, registered and are you know, buying the kits and getting going. Uh, and I've actually a few of them came up to me at the beer festival in Birmingham the other weekend, and we're we're kind of a uh, telling me about their plans and there's some there's oh. some pretty crazy stuff being planned, <laughs> <believe me. laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited i'm gonna i'm gonna be um, you know i'm gonna be um, lucky enough to be on the to be on the judging panel for that so i'm looking forward to receiving these bottles and uh yeah. you know cracking them open in february and seeing what people have come up with and is there going to be a, a kind of event around the judging and the awarding or, or the you know the winners or is it just uh it'll be it'll be what it'll be and it, it's more about the process than the final ending 
they, they, well, there's prizes. Um, yeah. There's some pretty cool prizes, actually, you know, courtesy of um, the Malt Miller, Bootleg Biology, uh, Chris Malt, uh, and, and ourselves, you know, so there's, there's some pretty cool things to be won. Uh, yeah, in terms of how we then wrap it all up and, and so on, yeah, we'll maybe have a think about how we do that. But uh, I mean, all, uh, all I'm suggesting is that maybe I can come and help drink some, because you'll be getting through a lot, you probably don't want to have the whole, you know, what gets sent. There'll, there'll be some leftovers, and I can just, you know, clear those up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. how how did the whole how did the whole thing come about i mean is it sounds quite it sounds to me that the whole brewery has obviously come from a home brew focus so that sounds quite important in getting you where where you are now um but how yeah. did this come about so if credit really goes to dan our lead brewer um he's been with us since january uh, he's been absolutely awesome he's really taken the brewery to the next level uh, on, on many fronts and He's, he's um, unlike Ben and I, who used to be home brewers and have kind of lapsed home brewers now because we're just too damn busy running, <laughs> running a commercial brewery. Dan, uh, despite being super busy with us, um, is, has also kept up the home brewing side. So, wow. and, and he's, and he's, he's been into mixed firm for years. And, yeah, and I've tasted some of his beers. They're, they're great. So he, I think he's really passionate about this. He, he's kind of, you know, in, into competitions and things. So he's, he took the lead in this. Said, I'd like to set up oh, wow. a competition. He contacted the Malt Miller and then some of the other kind of uh, partners we've got on this and, and kind of has run the thing. Uh, so really, the credits to him. He's, he's done a fantastic job in it. He's made a you know a, mm. yeah, what's going to be I think a really exciting, exciting competition. Yeah, definitely. It must be like it's an amazing thing to be able to to put out there. Have any of his homebrew recipes have they made it? Uh, full pastore beers yes and no i mean elements of what he's done definitely definitely are coming through in some of our, our stuff now right so um uh, i remember um quite early on when i met dan uh, he gave me a, a a really lovely beer he brewed at home um with spruce tips uh, yeah, it's phenomenal it's really really tasty actually okay. well we now have a beer uh, at pastore on spruce tips so keep, oh wow keep, uh, keep, keep an nice. eye out for that that's going to be that's going to be a, a very very good one awesome and we met we spoke off air um you're expanding and uh, you're hiring some mm. apprentice brewers are you expecting any uh, little bottles to slip your way any bottles of homebrew maybe is that going to help <laughs> their case at all <laughs> no no uh, all above board nothing nothing under the table <laughs> not, you know, in our, our, high, our hiring policy <laughs> that's good that's good I, I like the i like the above board answer you know <laughs> but we, we just have to make sure if any listeners were wondering <laughs> If you if you could get, give any tips then to any home brewers that are just starting out, especially for mixed firm wise, because I think I'm looking at starting. I know Curtis; he already he already dabbles, um, but mixed firm can be a bit of a scary world. Like the fruited sour series can be a bit scary to look into and kind of dive into. Have you got any tips for people that might be in that position? Yes, dive in, be patient. Don't get downhearted uh, or disheartened when when things don't immediately go the way you, you hope. You know, I mean, we we had, yeah, plenty of things that were like didn't work well for us um, to begin with. Uh, and and patience is, is you know you, you kind of hit yeah everyone says that, but until you actually do it, you don't realize what that really means. I think. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we went into it. Uh, we actually I think we had a we originally had some book with a variety of recipes you know of clean and, and mixed firm beers we thought well let's try this mixed firm the first couple we tried were didn't work at all but then i think we left one just left it forgot about it literally forgot about it for, oh well give you know throw our hands on disgust yeah it doesn't work for us right. we clearly got the mixed firm it's ruined I'm, I'm walking away from this let's get back to doing some ipas and yeah and then actually amazingly uh, after i can't remember how long maybe six months not maybe a year i forget we, we, wow. we tried it and it's like oh wow no that's good Oh wow! Um, and, and 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 meanwhile, we you know we we'd been just reading a lot uh, and researching you know what it takes to make sour beers. So we kind of went back to it actually 
after a year thinking okay well look, we've proved we can age something it's taken a year but it's good um let's see what we can do now and it kind of gave us a whole second wind where we started then oh, nice. you know and we found that actually yeah we you know we started applying other techniques we'd read about and trying things out some worked some didn't but yeah it, it probably took two or three years of doing that to really get to the point where we we kind of had a feel for what you know kind of almost you might call it house style you know we, we kind of got yeah. into a way of making beer we had this mother culture that i've mentioned earlier and, and we we knew we, we we knew we could make a good beer you know whenever we wanted to um which you know yeah took a while to get to i i mean that's i guess that's half the the fun isn't it is the process of, of experimenting and, and finding what works for you it's you know, i don't think people necessarily get into home brewing because they want to exactly the same thing they could buy because it's it's a yeah. bit of effort or it's quite a lot of effort if you're doing it properly and you want to be able to, to fiddle around it and find which what works for you so yeah we've spoken about the first two years of pastore what's the what's the third year looking like what's the year coming up obviously touched upon hiring new people um what's the plan so you're going to keep the same tap from space for the moment or look to expand yeah yeah big big questions so um yeah a lot of discussion going on around all these topics right now so so firstly yes we're we're hiring an apprentice brewer you know we we need an extra pair of hands uh, on the brewing side so we uh, to convert a lot of the goodwill we have around our beers and our brewery in, into 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 a sustainable business you know we need to increase production a bit not hugely but a bit uh, and we need to sell that beer mm-hmm. so yeah we need help around the brewery we need to, be able to concentrate a bit more on the sales side so that that's kind of perhaps the most important fundamental aspect of, of, of what you know what we have to do next year uh the tap room um we've, we've kind of been very low-key about our tap room in water beach um it's it you know anyone listening it, it's it's rarely accessible from from cambridge and london it's here in quarter beach on the railway line from king's cross uh, about an hour's train ride from king's cross uh, been, a, been a 50 minute walk uh, and you know we didn't really put a lot of love or investment into our tap room we we kind of just opened on a saturday we invited a food truck and thought we'd we'll see what would happen uh, and we'd be actually delighted as as the summer's worn on and let's let's be honest not, not the greatest of summers in living memory <laughs> no i mean um, last year's was better wasn't it let's, yeah. let's be honest when, yeah. when no one could go anywhere it was exactly. lovely and sunny although well, it was lovely yeah. the day we attended yeah i think we've had we've maybe had that was maybe you came on the on the one good saturday we've had yeah yeah <laughs> every week this summer seems to have involved us watching the weather forecast on a tuesday and wednesday and like a sinking feeling going on <laughs> here we go again um but no well what's actually been lovely is actually the we found you know a lot of locals um have begun to find out about us and, and enjoy coming and, and appreciating the beers along with our kind of you know our, our core base of you know pastore and, and craft beer fans who, who you know who actually supported us magnificently during the summer you know making the effort mm-hmm. to come every saturday you know from you know from locally and sometimes from from much much further afield so it's, it's been it's been wonderful being open um and and you know seeing uh, you and many many others come by i think next year yeah it was a big kind of a question for us you know do we just continue on that kind of relatively low-key level or, or do we actually make a bit of a bigger thing of it um so yeah that's something that's actively being discussed right now well i think if you want to hear about the latest updates of that it's probably the best is to follow on maybe a social media platform chris what would the uh social media platform of choice be and and what would the uh the handles be to find you on it yes so um i would say instagram at pastore brewing uh is probably the number one followed quickly by twitter at pastore brewing at number two fantastic ryan's saying that the website is just pastorebrewing.com it is yes yep. uh, exactly and uh if people are sitting at home thinking 
they are saying that these beers are very nice and I trust them because they say most beers are very nice but then they do have a very good selection of breweries that come on is uh is it a pretty wide distribution you've got there is it a case of if, if you're local to the kind of cambridge area you can pick them up in your bottle shop otherwise it needs to be online or yeah the, the, we've got a, if you go to pastorybrewing.com you'll find our web shop so we we have nationwide uk delivery uh, on that all our beers um otherwise we're pretty widely available in the uk at indie bottle shops um and and bars um our reach we're kind of expanding our reach um, um a couple of very very good distributors who, who we work closely with uh, both of whom have got a good reach around the uk so if you haven't found us till now um but i'm, I'm hoping that you know, within the next uh, weeks you know we'll, we'll, we'll be somewhere near you no excuse and no excuses not, then if not message your bottle shops get them to get in touch with you guys absolutely and, uh, please do that out. yeah exactly Oh, definitely um obviously moving towards the more autumnal winter season have you got anything special planned we touched upon barrels with the first beer have you got any special barrel releases that might be making our way for christmas time yes we do so obviously um for christmas there's gonna be um yeah there's some pretty special things lined up from the barrels uh there's a uh, beautiful um barrel aged beer on cherries coming through um there's a, a, a a, a a crazy mix from Dipper on spruce tips. Um, oh, nice the spruce the, tips. The, the spruce tips nice. beer. Yeah, we talked about that. That's looking good. What sort um, of characteristics do the spruce tips give? Yeah, is it an undisclosed secret for now? No, um, characteristics of awesomeness, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's well, a great no, good description. Like licking yeah. a Christmas tree. <laughs> I think you need to translate that into Italian, and then that should be the name of the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, I've, I've been astonished actually that the characters we're getting from it—it's it, just massively big and fruity, slightly strangely. Wow. Uh, there's a, maybe a slightly piney resinous thing going on there, but mm. but okay. you wouldn't necessarily pick it. A West Coast um, sour. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of thing. Because <laughs> I, I kind of thought, re- you know, pine, piney. I don't know if that offends the spruce community, but piney was kind of what I was thinking would probably be there, and yeah, resin, those kind of tree barky, barky flavors. But yeah. interesting, the fruit. I guess there's there's probably a bit of sugar in there that I, I wasn't considering. I, I I'm not sure if it's the sugar. I, I think it's just something about the aroma and the way it expresses is just massively aromatic in a, in a fruity way. Not not at all barky at all. It was not the slightest bit of tree or bark. It really comes. It presents much more as fruit, but a bit of bit of resin maybe. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So very very nice. And the third one, um, we've got uh, another imperial stout, which uh, the two so far have been good. Um, this one's going to be. Uh, least as good uh, i'm not gonna visit it's got a secret twist to it which i'm not gonna maybe share with you right now okay. oh, that's understandable well, you just have to keep your eyes peeled on the instagram yeah. to keep up with that exactly one. yeah if you're not going to share it but if you could just sort of put my name down for a pre-order i'd appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> so is that a is that going to be a straight up imperial stout or again with a mixed firm twist on it uh, because... no, that one is it going to be a clean one actually so yes there's that's uh not mixed firm um, so but... as you as you move as you as we move forward are there any other styles that you might do a clean version of or do you think you're gonna carry the mixed firm twist on with them so would you do like a just a regular parallel or would it always have that little that little twang to it uh, have you got a, a favorite barrel at the brewery and and if so why so juno okay juno, juno. <laughs> yeah yeah what is it do you know this might be sorry 
This is a very. I'm glad you asked it. Barrel don't. noob question. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Juno is just the name we gave the barrel. So Juno is okay. actually our um, our our Rottweiler, uh, who unfortunately <laughs> passed away a few years ago. But a much loved family Aww. pet, big, black, fluffy Rottweiler, gentlest dog you'll ever meet. Um, so when we got a big black cognac barrel in the brewery we thought oh juno yeah, <laughs> so we chalked we chalked we chalked up juno on the front of this barrel oh. um and and the results from that barrel have been good so far no. let's just say that okay. so for example il, il segreto we've, we've been talking about it at length already the 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 birthday beer the 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 mixed firm variant on the imperial stout that, that was in juno uh oh, um, cool. come out beautifully mm. well, has um, juno been refilled yes Oh. <laughs> can we have a hint no <laughs> i tried guys <laughs> um, we should probably talk a little bit more about the strata tropicale before we finish i've just been enjoying it to be honest i've not been writing down my, my notes matt i know you normally have a note had by you um yeah apart from massively fruity what does it say uh the notes written down are this is amazing yeah uh <laughs> then i've got another one passion fruit brackets loads um and then i just said that there's almost like a slight moment in there where you, it, it it almost like it's giving you the kind of your memories like whoa is this an ipa and then like suddenly you, you like hit with the sourness and you're like no this isn't like this isn't an ipa you you know this is a sour dipper and it's it's amazing like yeah the, the, like you were just speaking earlier about the balance the balance between the intense fruit and and the sourness is uh is 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 really really well produced in this beer it's 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 amazing yeah Don, yeah. what are your thoughts? I, I really like kind of slightly bitter notes you get from the hop almost because I feel like the fruits on their own, like you've got the passion fruit, the guava, and the mango, they're all quite sweet with like a little bit of sourness. But then when you put in the a tiny bit of like hot bitterness as well, I feel like that balances balances it really well. And we said earlier about how important the balance was, and this is literally just walking the tightrope, isn't it? It's it could it could have very easily gone like one step the wrong way at any time along here but i feel like it's yeah it's just come across really well and yeah i just love the tropical flavors from this and i'm i'm very intrigued as to what fruits will go into the next one mm. that's my that's my question well i i'm, I'm not gonna say but uh but you won't have to wait very long to find out uh, if you follow up the story brewing perfect i think there's again no excuse not to follow up a story brewing Francis, um, what, what do you think? Do I, you agree with our thoughts? Got anything different? I do. I mean, I think it's really interesting having it uh, straight, you know, directly after one of the the, the peach water in, in La Pesca, and just having the, you know, both have you know, loads of fruity notes and, and character, but the difference between having uh, a quite a clean finish with Strata Tropicale and the kind of more complex complexity from the earlier beer. I think it's very interesting having them back to back, and I'm not—I couldn't say which one I prefer, but I quite like the fact that there are two things that are that nice and have different things. It's—it's it's a beer that strikes me. If, if I'm in a in, in a tap room or in a in a bar, it's something I might get. Oh, that looks really interesting. I'll have a third of that, and then I'll have that third and go. Oh, I might have another third now. Actually, that's uh, that's nice. But and I—I'd I'd probably say I'd do very similar things for the first beer, but for very different reasons um yeah chris thanks so much for coming on and talking to us it's been really interesting uh both to hear the processes from the brewing and the blending side of things as well as kind of what's coming forwards 
I think we've said the best ways to uh, to follow you. I think the only thing we can do is just encourage people to go out and try some of this stuff, especially the uh, yeah. the age stuff, just because I, it's it's um, it's not unlike anything you've ever ever tried before. Because there are other people putting out fantastic mixed firm beers, but it's definitely a style that most people should be interested in, unless they're about to go into the boss shop before me. In which case, don't buy it. Come back and buy it when that, <laughs> once I bought mine. <laughs> is the tap room going to be open at all over autumn winter so people can still get down yeah most definitely um we we we're going down to once a month we also we're also doing ticketed events sarah so if you're in the area and you, you look out for us there's a there's a cheese and beer um tasting coming up in collaboration with a uh, local cheesemongers which is looking rather nice um so yeah it'd be great to see you or any, any anyone listening uh down at the tap room Awesome. Well, once again, thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, cheers, everybody. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. cheers.